You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And your father needs help. And there are other people helping. But the people that are helping aren't sensitive to all the nuances of halacha. When you tell them and you, you, you pour out the amount, okay, it's this much, this much, okay, that's the much you can drink. They're not going to listen. They think you're nuts. Okay, it, it's this much of the mazonos, this much of the bread. This, and you cut it up into little slices or little, a couple of ounces. You know they're not going to be mocked. And then your father's going to end up, or whoever it is, your father or mother, will end up eating more than the shear. And they're not a chayla mesukin to that point. They need to eat a shear. So Rosh Zalman says, the son needs to stay home, not rely on the home health aides, in order that he can do the feeding al pi Because this way he's saving his father. His father is now going to have a better Yom Kippur in terms of fasting properly. Now, and we know that if you could stop someone from an Avera and you don't, Rafflama Zalman says, based on the uh Taisus and Shuas, you become liable for that Avera. Rafflama Zalman added another reason why the father should the son should stay home. Think about it. Who should be feeding your father? You shouldn't need a home you, you're allowed to hire a home elfe to do your job but it's essentially your job to do that. So therefore, when is it that they can be your shliach, as you can see he writes here, where your agent is going to do the thing properly. But if they don't understand, you know there's no way you can explain to them how today things are different, and today they need to eat a little bit less. And when you start parceling out those amounts, they're going to be laughing behind your back at you. So there, they, they're not proper shulchan. So Rav Zalman says, in that case, then the chiyuv comes back to you. Now, um, what about a similar halacha? Let's say, it's not a Yom Kippur, but let's say a father, Rahman Litzlan, is paralyzed. Chayla Mishutak. That means paralyzed, Rachmanelitzlan. And he has a son who's learning in yeshiva. All right. And because of the paralysis, maybe from a stroke or something that has affected the father, he's not able to put the tefillin on by himself. And we know that the other home health aides won't do it. So... We paskin, I don't know where this is said in halacha, but it seems to be a well-known maybe psak from Rosh Hashanah as well, that the son doesn't need to stay in the city if the son is learning in a yeshiva somewhere else, and that's where he's had success. The son doesn't need to change his yeshiva site in order to sleep at home or be close at home to come and put tefillin on his father every day. Why? So Shalom Zalman says that if a, if a person has a stroke 
and he's not able to lift his hands properly to put the tefillin on, he's, he's really putter from that mitzvah. It's a beautiful thing when they could put the tefillin on him. But if a person can't really be makayim ukshartem, because the stroke has robbed him of that ability to put the, uh, put the tefillin on his hand, he's really putter from tefillin. It's nice that you're makayim the mitzvah for him, but he's really putter. Therefore, if the son has a yeshiva that he should be learning at, and probably the father would want him to learn in that yeshiva, you're not mechuyif to stay home that your father should have a mitzvah these bets and putter from. Whereas over here, staying home by Yom Kippur is going to guarantee that he will not do the isser of eating more than he should on Yom Kippur. Because as we know, chatzis shir would be enough. So there's not a bitul mitzvah, I'll say. What is it? In other words, in the case of tefillin, he's really potter from the mitzvah. And the fact that there's no one at home means, all right, he stays an ones. But here, you're actually feeding him something that's also for him to eat. He's not on the level where he needs to eat normally. Therefore, feeding him more is actually feeding him a dover osir. And there, the, the son needs to be able to uh, prevent that from happening. And therefore, it means no shul for the son either. Um, some other alokas you can see here about getting an aliyah. We spoke about them last week uh, uh, with the psak of Rav Yoshev. Here's something we didn't speak about. I thought it was interesting. We talked about last week, of course, the difference between someone who really needs to eat. So how about someone who needs to eat on Yom Kippur? Does he yake, does he take Lecha Mishnah? All right? It, for him, it's, it is Yontif. We talked last week that he would bench, of course, and he would bench and he would say Yalaviyavo. That's clear. But the question is, does he take Lecha Mishnah, even if it's not Shabbos? So the Mogan Avram quotes the Knesset Hagadola. The Mogan Avram was was Avram Gabamdiger. That was the uh, Avram. That was the Mogan Avram's name, Gabamdinger. And the Knesset Hagadola is Rechaim Ben Venishti. Two hard names to say, okay? But they're both very famous. The Mogan, the, the Knesset Hagadola lived in the 17th century, and the Mogan Avram lived also in the 17th century, but a little bit later than the Knesset Agdolo did. It's the Knesset Agdolo, the Sashab Seitzvi, and other things. So the Knesset Agdolo writes that a chole who, eating on Yom Kippur, you should give him two chalas, Lecha Mishnah. The Mogan Avram disagrees. Because he says, there is no takona on Yom Kippur. Especially if he's a chayla mesukin, he's he's not happy about eating. He doesn't have his mind there completely anyway. The whole idea is to remind you of the mun. This guy is if he if he's a chayla mesukin, he's not in great shape. Clearly, things are very desperate. So the idea of contemplating that there's that there's a that that, that this is connected the mun doesn't even apply to him. His das is not meyushiv at all for it to even make sense for him. That's what the Mogan Avram says.
So therefore, um, as we say, the Lechem Mishnah is Zeich of Amon. And even though it's true, the Machsas HaShekel points out, who explains the Mogan of Ram, Nehi the Lo Yared by Mon. If you in in the midbar, Mon did not fall on Yom Kippur, as Tosfos says in Beitzah on Yontif and on, on every Yontif and Yom Kippur is one of them. There was a double portion on Erev Yom Kippur. It would seem. Well, I'm sorry, Tosfos says there was no Mon, but he says probably they didn't get double. In other words, this is the Machzus Hashekel writing, Rabbi Yaakov Kellner. He says that. Probably, think about it, if most people were fasting on Yom Kippur, even in the desert, in the Midbar, why would God have, true, there was no mon because it was like Shabbos. But do you think on Erev Yom Kippur there was a double portion? Why would there have to be a double portion on Erev Yom Kippur? There, most people aren't eating. I. what about the ones who weren't fasting? or the children, or the people that were sick. And maybe for them, there was a double portion. Chazal weren't going to mesakam lechem mishan yom kippur. Why? Because it usually doesn't happen. And therefore, no lechem mishan. Okay. A big question on this approach, on the Machzah Shekel is, asked by the Sefer Chaver ben Chayim, and he says, you're right. Most people did not need a double portion on Erev Yom Kippur because they were going to fast on Yom Kippur. But what about the ones that they would, but they would be eating Motzei Yom Kippur? Wouldn't they need to have some mun? And we already said the mun did not fall on Shabbos or Yontif. So the people needed to eat Motzei Yom Kippur in the Midbar. Where did they get the mun from? Probably what fell on Erev Yom Kippur. And therefore, there was a double portion uh, ready even on Yom Kippur as well. So therefore, he says, Because we know there was definitely a double portion on Erev Yom Kippur. So, the answer that uh, the Chavar ben Chaim says is, maybe, even though it's true the Mon fell on Erev Yom Kippur, it wasn't for the sake of Yom Kippur, it was for the sake of Motzah Yom Kippur. So that's the reason why when you eat on Yom Kippur, you don't have, have Lecha Mishnah, because this was supposed to be eaten after Yom Kippur, and you're eating it on Yom Kippur, so no Lecha Mishnah required. So that is the Psak of the Mogan Avram. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who was who lived about a hundred years later than the um, less than a hundred, about a little bit less than a hundred years than the Knesset Agdola, in the Sefer Morvikzia, he paskins not like the Mogan Avram, and he says we know there was no Mononim Kippur, there was definitely Lechemishin Erevim Kippur, so therefore, if you have to eat, you don't have to eat both breads, but when you make Hamaitzi. Most people aren't eating, but when you eat and you make amaytzi, you need to have lechem mishnah. And the famous mat Ephraim, Ephraim Zalman Margolis, which is most people's handbook for 
Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, um, by Ashkenazim. It was one of the most popular svarim written on the topic. The Mate Ephraim, Ephraim Zal Margolis, he postins that you should, if a cholodizir on Yom Kippur, he should have Lechem Mishnah. However, he knows the Mogan Avram disagrees. The Chaya Odom, a student of the Vilna Gon, disagreed. So you could be Botseya, you could be Mekel if you don't have it. It's interesting, Rav, uh, Rav Zenger wonders, why didn't the Mishnaburah mention this at all? I mean, it's, it's open. It's interesting the Mishnaburah did not get involved in this question. But it is an interesting question. Perhaps you've never thought of it. And it's an interesting machlokas. Let me uh, finish off today with uh, uh, the halacha portion, with a, um, what we know from the Gemara in Yuma. The Gemara says in Yuma, it's a Mishnah actually, that if someone has Chilo Hashem biyodo, he's Mechalo Hashem. Now Rashi says it means that your sin caused others to sin. Then Tshuva cannot help, and Yom Kippur can't help. Lo biyasurin lamarek. Even suffering doesn't expiate it. All of that sort of helps. You're still hanging. And only by your death does it somehow wipe it out. Atamusum, the Pasuk says. Im atamusum. What does it consider Zechirul Hashem? So that's what we're going to talk about, Moshe. We're going to talk about that tonight. The Rambam paskins that as well, that if you're Machal Hashem, even though you did Shuva and you got through Yom Kippur, and you were and you clapped Al Chet, you did Shuva, you didn't even do whatever that is again, yet you had suffering in your life, you do not get your complete kapara until you die. Very scary. Very scary. What is Chilo Hashem? Let's take a look. Let's talk about a, a Talmud Chochem doing Chilu Hashem based on what the Gemara does. Who sheyasa Adam Godol b'Torah mufursam bechasidut? He's a big person. He really is a solid, authentic tzaddik in his way. But he does things dvarim shabriot meran and odacharav bishfilon. Alpha bishe'enam averot. That's not an avera, but people talk about them. Hareze chilu es Hashem. Okay, what would be an example? All right? Would be example, for example, let's say you are at the store and the, um, the chenveni, the man who runs the store, lets you take an item and he says, you don't have to pay right away, Rabbi. And he has the money to pay. Um. And what happens? What happens is, is that um, he is able to get on credit. So people say, look at him. He doesn't pay. He's got the money. Now, that's people know what his bank account is. People know that he has money. And they still see that he's taking credit at the store. That's a Chilu Hashem for the Talmud Chochem. 
or sheyarba b'schok or b'achila He took a day off. He took a day off. Everybody else sits there and has the Super Bowl party and drinks and is happy. And he decides, you know, I want to sit with these people once in a while. So he sits with them. He eats with them. People say, you see, the Talmud Chokham, the guy who was supposed to be at Sadiq was sitting with us. He didn't do an Aveira necessarily. Still, that's a Chilu Hashem. Or, the Rambam says, She'en dibur benachas im abrios. Let's say, he's, I don't know, he had a tough day. You have a tough day, but you know, people depend on you. You're considered a person of the tzibur. You're somebody that the tzibur depends on. But you had a hard day. And because of that, a guy came to, someone came to speak with you, and you spoke with him in tough language. With anger. Anything like that, depending on how big the person was, the Chacham needs to be better than everyone else. He has to be medactic on himself. And if he doesn't, that's a Chivu Hashem. Now, what about Rashi? Rashi said Chivu Hashem meant you cause others to sin. How does this cause others to sin, the Rambam's um, dugma'ot, the Rambam's examples? So Rav Zenger says it's clear that there's no machlokets. It's two sides of the same coin. If you're a ben Torah, you need to be so careful because people look at you and say, well, (laughs) if this is the way he acts, we can act even worse. So therefore, by you sinning, by what you did, like in these cases, people say, oh yeah, he took when he didn't have money. He, he took on credit when he didn't need to. He ate and drank and, and, and joked around. Okay, he did it for two hours. If he can do it for two hours, we can stay up all night and do it. So in a way, it's all the same thing. It is chote um, umachte. And even among yourself, the Rav Zenger says, let's say you have a group of people that are B'nai Torah. So we know each one looks at the other. Or whatever group you have. If one guy acts that way, the other guy starts acting that way. It's that even if it's not real Averot, still, it's the type of thing people learn to push the envelope was. Rav Zenger now quotes a number of, uh, of, of modern, sort of modern sources of Chilu Hashem in our day. Let's say you have a Kolo fellow who got up late one day, maybe for good reason. Maybe he took medicine, maybe he was throwing up at night, he couldn't fall asleep. So what does he do? He goes, and everybody who was in Israel knows what this is, the Shtibalach, Right? Even uh, a Sephardi like Moshe knows what the shtiblach are, right? The shtiblach are where you have the late minyanim, right? The shtiblach in Meyasharim, where they daven until very late. And he goes over there and davens in one of the shtiblach. So clearly he sh- it's better for him to stay home. Because by him going to the shtiblach, 
people say, oh, oh, look at this. Guy davens late. Uh, we could, could start davening late too. Rav Chaim Kanievsky uh, pointed out something else. There are people um, who always show up late for davening. They always, whatever it is, the minion they're supposed to come to, they're always there one minute before Baruch Hu, or right at Baruch Hu, or always late. Now, obviously, when you see that happening, you have a chiyuv, Rav Chaim Kanievsky says, to don that person the kapskus. Whatever it is, he couldn't catch the train, he's got a sick child at home, whatever the reason is, you're not supposed to say that guy's a shluffer. But the people who are coming late, maybe what they should do is if they see they're constantly coming late and they can't make it by this time, go to a later minion. That's what they should do. Well, the Rav, it doesn't matter what minion they go to. <laughs> I know late. you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, here's another Chilul Hashem that we find a lot, he says. Um, Obviously, um, when you speak during Kriyasa Torah, when the Torah is open, um, and, and you find yourself talking to someone, that is the Chafetz Chaim writes that whoever you are, people see you, it's a Chilu Hashem. Um, here's something that Rav Zenger came up with. There are Bacharim, he says, that can learn tremendous. But he says, until what? Until the telephone metzeltzel. Until the cell phone rings. As soon as the cell phone is ringing, they go out of the base matters to talk. So he says, that's a chilu Hashem. When people see that, that they see that, that you're in the middle of learning, oh, I guess that's right. Talking on whoever it is talking on the phone is stronger even than learning. We talked about this many times in our classes, and Ramzanger points it out. Cutting in line at the Kupat Cholim. Now, maybe soon with the Democrats getting in, we're going to have this as well. A lot of Kupat Cholim situation here, right? Where um, we're going to be standing. By the with, with the socialized medicine, it's going to be very, very. Everyone's going to have pressure to try to cut the line. I guess in Eretz Yisrael it happens more often. I don't want to say bad things in Eretz Yisrael. Just about when when medical care is parceled out this way, people get desperate, so they they, they cut the line, or at banks. Um, people when they look at that, they say, "Look at those from Jews doing that. Look at those guys in beards doing that." So even if you want to say, well, I needed to do that because I'm in Kolel, I need to learn, you know what? There's no heta for Chilu Hashem. And these are some modern day examples from Eretz Yisrael specifically of Chilu Hashem. Um, the, I have a question. I have a, it, it would be Chilu Hashem if someone could easily give the benefit of the doubt to the person. Yeah, isn't that a major issue? Okay, so 
So you not you have to be worried, Sheila. Even though, let's say the people that are watching this, they're not bnei Torah. In other words, people are people who are bnei Torah. Know there's an idea of donning lekavshus, right? They know you have to don lekavshus when you see somebody. Oh, I bet you there's some. I bet you has uh, some some major emergency. Why he had to cut the line? Uh, all right. So yeah, probably there was something going on. But most people aren't going to do that, and well, therefore you need. Kivalevich, yes, I think what you're saying is so important. I think people uh, yeshivas should teach people that. Because this is being uh, coming from the other side. This is superbly important how food people behave themselves. Everybody notices it, especially, you know, everybody knows the Bible, the chosen people. So it's all kinds of things. You know, if you're chosen already, why are you doing it? Or he thinks he's better than us or whatever reasons can be millions of reasons. I think, uh, but if somebody's uh, born room. I think it's so organic. It's just me. You know, I need to get there, as you said correctly. But it's not, you have to feel the difference between the inside and outside. This is so I, I would say, Dr. Kogan, I agree with you. And I would say, although this was written for people in Eretz Yisrael, Rav Zenger's uh, drosha here that we're reading, I think that here in America, it's the same thing. The non-Jews who see us, the non-Jews who see us, also say, yeah, like you say, the chosen people, the Jews, look what they're doing, especially, you know, if they're wearing a kippah. So you've got to be very careful about this. Um, what if it's a situation where it's only among other from Jews? And it's something that people could judge favorably. Um, like it's shul or something, you know. Uh, okay, so, I, so I'm going to tell you, Sheila, what I think, based on what Rav Zenger is saying. I think, remember, Rav Zenger asked the question, why is it that, you know, is it based on, Rashi says, and, and the Gemara gives all these examples about, you know, someone who, who acts a little bit less than he should. What's the pshat? That when people see that behavior, they're more for themselves. So I think when you have a tzibur from people, it does create a sense that, hey, this is okay. Um, you're right. If they, if they go over to the guy, if everybody goes over to the guy and tells him, hey, this isn't right, um, or they understand, I, I guess you're right, Sheila, you know for sure. But it's a suffix chilol Hashem. I hear you. I, I understand. It's, it's a suffix, I, again, the first far is, even by you doing it, you might start other people, oh, I remember him seeing it. And I remember him doing that. If he does that, I can do that too. Um, Rav Zanger gives another example, which I think it's nice to hear because it reminds me of what life in Eretz Yisrael is like. He says... He says there's a lot of people riding bicycles, Haredim riding bicycles in the city lately. And many of them, he says, while they're riding the bicycle, they take their hat and their kippah off because they're afraid that it shouldn't fall off in the wind. Um, so, 
Rav Zenger feels that when you see a frum guy, a Haredi fellow, and the yarmulke's off, first of all, maybe he's mechuyiv to, to, even though he's on a bicycle, he might be mechuyiv. That's considered going Dalit Abbas, even though he's not walking. But also, we know that wearing a yarmulke is, is Yerushamayim. That's why it's called the yarmulke, right? Yerameleka. And therefore, uh, how can it be that be, in order to be able to ride the bicycles properly, we say, you know what? You don't need to wear yarmulkes when you're on a bicycle. Well, he's supposed to be wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah, I guess they aren't wearing helmets there either. Um, you tell me. I haven't been in Eretz role in a while. I don't remember. Um, but he says, if you cannot tie the keeper to your head, so he says, you know what? Stop going on a bicycle. Okay, so you're not, you won't be able to get as quick as you uh, go through traffic anymore. He says, okay, no bicycle. But he says, to go on a bicycle with, uh, without, your, without a kisui rosh, he says, that's chilul Hashem, Rav Zanger says. And he feels it's chote machtias arabim. Because people see that, they say, ah, you don't need to wear a kippah. Look, I saw that kid driving by. He wasn't wearing a kippah. Okay, so we've, what have we done so far? We've talked about Chilo Hashem. We've talked about what it means. We've given some modern examples. But unfortunately, we know many of us, and I'm going to say I included, have been guilty of it, even this year. What can we do according to the Rambam and according to the Mishnah? We're going to die, or I'm going to die without kapara. Well, there is some saving grace. Um, the Rambam says there's no Eitzah, but Rabbeinu Yonah, the famous Palmuser, the famous Rabbi Yonah of Garondi, uh, says the following. Gam Even though you can't cure it like other Averot with normal tshuva, there is a way to take away the stain of the Chilol Hashem that it could go away even before he dies. How does that happen? In other words, there's something missing. You created a vacuum in people's concern about connecting to God. That vacuum is a certain amount. If you dedicate your life to filling that vacuum with positive acts, and how do you do that? To teach people how great God is. So then, that sin can be turned away with the effectiveness, that's the opposite of what you did. That is the Chiddush of Rabbeinu Yonah in Shar Dalit. Okay, how about if you don't have that Eitzah? Is there anything else you can do? So Rabbeinu Yonah gives another Eitzah. What is that? So he says, another Eitzah against of taking away the Aver of Chilol Hashem is dedicating yourself to Torah so strongly and, and like tiring yourself out of learning. And he says, um, 
Rav Zenger says we find the source for Rabbeinu Yonah from the Sifrei. The Sifrei is on the Pasuk in this week's Parsha. Kisirim Aledesha. Is it this week's Parsha? Right? This week's Parsha, right? Azino. Masirim Alolul Boyam Alchatus Machaprim. Torah is like the Seir. Torah is like the Chatus. Kach Divrei Torah Machaprim Alaveros. Even Chilul Hashem. Because through Torah, you can, you can come to Madrega of Tshuva Me'ava. And that can only come through learning Torah properly. That's why we say, Hashiveinu Avinu Secha. What does that mean? Not to, to the mitzvahs of the Torah. It means to your Torah to learn it, Tata. Let, take me back to your Torah so I should learn it and study it and devote myself to it completely. And through that, you're going to get the tshuva shleima lefanecha. And that's why the Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva talks about the chiv of being osik b'Torah. It must be that learning Torah is part of tshuva as well. So that is, again, the second chiddush of Rabbeinu Yonah, that learning Torah intensely can take away the Aveir of Chilu Hashem. Um, the Me'iri also writes that, that even though tshuva, normal tshuva doesn't take away Chilu Hashem, but tshuva gemura will. Uh, the Minchas Chinuch writes it specifically that tshuva me'ahava can work if you can reach that madrega. We learned this, you might remember, in the Orchot Sadikim many months ago. He also says the way you can do tshuva nechilu Hashem, it's hard to do this, but to confess and to tell other people, to tell people who look at you like you're somebody. Again, this is a little bit strange because maybe today it would look weird, but the Orchot Sadikim said, Tell people, I'll tell Madumi many. Don't learn from me. I'm a chota. I was Machal Hashem. And he says, then, and you fast, and you do vidui, that's another way you'll be able to get tshuva as well. It's pretty tough to do that. Um, what if you don't know if you did it, but, you know, Odds are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not sure if you actually um, them, but like you're saying, it's it's scary and it's. I think you. I think you got to be machmer, Shiva. You don't want to have this uh, on you. What's, no, obviously, but are you then supposed to tell people I've done chalashem? If you don't know, you actually did it, and do that last thing and tell people not to learn. As I said, I remember uh, we, when we were still not in COVID, when we had extra time, we would learn Orchus Sadikim together. And I remember doing this. Um, it's a very tough thing to do. I remember that also. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think if some, I think I might have pointed out, Moshe, when we studied this, if somebody would actually say that, I think people would look at them strange and maybe say, oh, you did that Avera? <laughs> That, that might make the Chilu Hashem stronger if they don't know you did that. 
dad and also they would uh, say oh look at the, what a tzaddik he is now he's giving us the musar this is a very very difficult in other thing words he's do. acting like he's a bigger tzaddik than he really is yeah so here, <laughs> so again so what do we have the eight so one eight is trying to work out ways to be makadish hashem that's a beautiful eight so. trying to learn torah till it hurts what, what do they say that you're supposed to exercise till you, you till it hurts Learn Tyra till it hurts. Okay, what's the third thing? This is from Rav Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. He says a chidush. He says that Ne'ilah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a Shas Din. But there's no other Malachim. There's no other Kochot. It's just God and us. And our Neshamot and God. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu Don Yechidi. At the moment of Ne'ila. So then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be Yislachlo. If he sees your tears, if he sees you really have charata for what you did, you really didn't, right? Then, he can be Mochel, his Chilul HaKovod. And that's why in Ne'ila, there are psukim about Chilul Hashem. So that's a chiddush from the Meshachachma that the Rambam doesn't say. That during the Ewa, if you could get that moment properly, even Chilul Hashem can be taken away because then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only him and you. And he doesn't have to abide by the normal rules of everyone saying, oh, how dare you be Mochelim? He was Machal the Kovat of Hashem. So those are the Eitzes. Learning Torah. Hashem and I have a question. Yes, and make sure your ne'ilah is a real good one. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.